back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. It is Saturday morning, and it's literally Saturday morning. I'm sitting here recording this on Saturday morning because I feel guilty not releasing something for everyone on Saturday morning. Initially, I was going to record uh, my guest episode this afternoon and maybe drop the episode this evening. But then I started feeling these little prickles in the back of my neck that I hadn't actually released a Berenstain Bears episode on Saturday morning and the part of me that feels responsible for things. And trust me, listeners, it is a very, very small but very focused part of me uh, felt like I just couldn't I couldn't let that go. I couldn't I couldn't let it pass. I had to deliver something to my listeners for being such loyal loyal listeners. And so I decided to talk about uh, a subject that I've been meaning to discuss, but hadn't found the time to because I got so excited about these chapter books. And the subject I'm discussing today is, it's the chapter, it's the chapter books, but I hadn't actually like talked about the chapter books, but I'd known for a while that I was leading up to covering all of these many, many chapter books. And how many chapter books are there? We hadn't, I haven't actually really gone into the chapter books themselves, like what they are, what they mean. Uh, the chapter books, the big, starting with the big chapter books, uh, there are, uh, including the Bear Scout chapter books and like the Merit Badge chapter books and just all the chapter books that came out, there's a little over 50 of them. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride. These things went from 1993 into the early 2000s and they were kind of published in big bunches, in groups. And I had never actually read them. I had looked through them. I worked at a bookstore for, for several years and it was a used bookstore. So we got quite a few Berenstain Bears chapter books in and they would come and they would go and I never really gave them much of a second thought other than the thought that most people have when they hear about the Berenstain Bears chapter books, which is there were chapter books. Like it just, it seemed like such an odd fit. And having now gone through the series from the very beginning up until now, I can see aesthetically and artistically and narratively how they fit into the development of the Berenstain Bears world. I could see that as the books were going along, they were getting a little bit more complex. Uh, Stan and Jan were throwing in more references to the lives of the Cubs, the Cubs in general, like what was going on with them in school. Uh, We were getting things like, you know, like the slumber party and uh, the in crowd that were a, a bit more complex thematically than where they were able to fit, I believe, comfortably into the the eight by eight format, into the shorter storybooks. And so, as I saw the chapter books on the horizon, here they come. I knew a that I was overwhelmed and I was going to need some help covering them, which is why I'm getting as many friends as possible and and uh, co podcasters to join me on these to discuss them because. This is a big, it's a big wave of of books. And and bear in mind that as these are going on, there are also the regular Berenstain Bear book series coming out. Like there's more books from 1993 that I haven't even touched on yet that are not big chapter books. And so as I saw these books on the horizon, as I saw them, uh, uh, saw them coming, I got on the horn and I contacted Mike Berenstain and said, uh, you know, I, I told him that I was about to start covering the chapter books, but... I had a bunch of questions for him. I was wondering if if he had any insight into how they'd actually, how they came about. Like, I understand that the publishing world is complicated and confusing, and there's many, many factors, but 
I wanted to know like if there was a logical progression of thought or idea into the creation of the Berenstain Bears big chapter books. And I wanted to know like whose idea they were, how did the writing process go, you know, uh, what was the goal of the books overall? Uh, did they want to just t- tackle bigger subjects? Were they just trying to expand the the Bears universe? Were they just trying to meet the demands of a growing young adult market? And the answer to this was yes, 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 and a few things I hadn't even thought of. So Mike Berenstain wrote me back uh, a wonderful response, as he usually does. And a little digression here for a minute. Mike Berenstain, whom I'm very excited to be meeting in about a month, like face-to-face, is so passionate about the history of the Berenstain Bears and so willing to assemble this history of the artistically mundane that exists below the surface of every endeavor on the face of the earth. I don't know how else to put it other than, and I know I've touched on this before in previous episodes, but one of the reasons I created this podcast in the first place was because the the notion that there is a story hidden within the depths of, of consumer-grade art is one of my like little like it's one of my little like things that just sits there on my shoulder every time I watch something every time I engage in 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 what is considered to be disposable consumer product there's this thing this little guy sitting on my shoulder saying like someone worked on this someone someone there's a story behind this there's a process behind this if you've ever read the history of the masters of the universe series it talk about some of the most disposable uh entertainment in the history of children's entertainment. If you've ever read the history of Masters of the Universe or seen the documentary about the history of Masters of the Universe, you understand that there were passionate people working on this this toy commercial. That there were people who were were trying to infuse it with with life and narrative and complexity and, and charm and who were really, really working behind the scenes to make the best product they could. And so it's sort of a restatement of this show's thesis ties in with these questions I was asking Mike, which was, what's the real story beyond the obnoxious rubbing together of the fingers and making the cha-ching sound that most people do when they stop to think why something was created? A, that's always obvious. We are always trying to make money off of things. That's why That's why product exists. So just saying like, oh, it's for the money is boring. That's a really boring answer to anything. Um, obviously, people were trying to make money, but there's always something more. There's something beyond. Why in this particular direction? You know, why didn't they just create a line of Berenstain Bears action figures, which would have been awesome? But why didn't they create a line of Berenstain Bears action figures? I assume that there wasn't, to be obnoxious, probably enough money in it. That would have been difficult. I mean, if you've ever seen the history of the Masters of the Universe, you would know that designing a line of action figures is a long, complicated process that many artisans work on. And it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get those things off the ground. So, but in any case, so I wrote Mike with this series of questions. I was like, what is, what's going on with these big chapter books? And of course, I received a passionate, passionate response from Mike. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here. When I, when I read directly from his response, I'll let you know. Um... But he sort of he sort of begins by saying that like, the bears were they were exploding like in popularity. This was this was huge. Uh, they were popular on TV. Uh, the Random House books were just 
just diving off the shelves into people's hands. Uh, Mike had been working. So the Berenstain, Stan and Jan had a, uh, this, this is going way back to like episode number one. Uh, they had a, uh, a cartoon in good housekeeping magazine that was still running at this time called it's all in the family. That was really just about them being parents more about more autobiographical than the bears books were. And Mike had, had, had started helping them out with the artwork on that because things were really just taken off in bear country. Uh, and they didn't have enough time to devote to this. And Mike was, devoted to making sure that it's all in the family which was the comic about his childhood uh kept going and he was also helping out you know within the studio filling in for stan and jan whenever things got a little too overwhelming he would oh you know do some bears art for them when uh, you know as it was needed now while this was happening there is another berenstain in the picture and we haven't talked about him but this is leo berenstain leo berenstain a writer in his own right was working on getting his writing off the ground. This is Mike's brother, Leo. And he was he had gotten a, a book of short stories published, but he was having trouble uh, getting, getting his work recognized and finding a direction for his writing. As anyone out there uh, in listener land who is a writer knows, being a writer and devoting your time to writing and caring about your writing and being an awesome writer is only part of it. It, it, it. There's also the whole getting attention of publishers and convincing people your stuff is worth publishing and then getting published. Like, there's so much involved in being a writer, and Leo was having trouble uh, breaking breaking through that barrier. But fortunately, Stan and Jan were there, willing to help. They're like, well, you know, like we can give him a direction to go in. So they they tried to get some projects off the ground for Leo, but it wasn't you know no one was biting. Uh, so so keep in mind. So right now we have several factors. Berenstain Bears, super popular. Books flying off the shelves. Mike Berenstain helping out in the studio, already working on the Bears art. Leo Berenstain coming along and wanting, uh, you know, looking for a direction for his writing. We've got all these little pieces that are kind of falling into place. Another factor was that Stan was kind of getting tired of writing children's books. Uh, They'd been doing this for decades now, and the books were popular, but he wanted to explore subjects that... Uh, as I had even recognized myself, weren't a very good fit for the eight by eight books. They were they were young adult subjects that were that dealt more with being an early adolescent, and I think that though that that subject matter was bumping up against the limitations of their format. So, uh, so we have that as a factor. Stan getting kind of tired. He also loved writing for TV. Because that allowed Bear Country to grow, like to to open the borders of Bear Country, to look a little bit more at these townsfolk, the history of the land, the uh, the way the the way the people in Bear Country interacted with the community more. We also had the factor that uh, that the publisher wasn't that interested in expanding the line. They were happy to keep on doing things the way they were with the eight by eight books and a few other formats, and they tried the the coloring books, the activity books, they had the Cub Club, and then Mike started working on Berenstain Bears full time. So things are coming together. A bunch of ideas are coming together. On top of all these factors, all these factors that are solely within the confines of Bear Country, we have something is occurring in the publishing world that was instantly recognizable as a factor if you were a child in the early 90s. There were there was a sudden demand for young reader chapter books, and I'm talking uh, not just the Choose Your Own Adventures from the '80s, although I believe those were still going strong at the time. But we're looking at the Babysitters Club books. Uh, we're looking at Sweet Valley High. We're looking at Goosebumps. This was a time 
when all these books were starting to really take the publishing world by storm. And so, looking at all these factors, Stan decided that they wanted to start writing for older kids. And that's where the idea of the chapter book series came up. And I guess it was originally noted that they were going to be aiming at the 7 to 9 age range. Graduates of the Berenstain Bears storybooks. So uh, it looks like Stan wrote a sample manuscript. Uh, they introduced it to Random House. And here's where things start getting businessy, but I think this is very interesting uh, the way it worked. I'm going to read directly from Mike's letter here because trying to summarize this would confuse me. Um, so they introduced their they introduced their idea to Random House, and Mike says so they proposed that consumer testing be conducted before committing to the series, and that if successful, the series would be on a joint venture rather than on a conventional royalties basis. This meant we would not participate in income until Random House's initial costs were recouped. Thus, if the series flopped, their losses would be kept to a minimum. On the other hand, if it were pro successful, we, by getting a percentage of profit rather than a flat royalty rate, would make more money in the long run. Stan and Jan accepted these terms, the consumer testing was successful, and the series was duly launched. So, it was a, it was a lucrative venture for the publisher as well. This was something that stood a good chance of succeeding. They stood to lose next to nothing uh, if it wasn't a success. And Stan and Jan stood to make a heck of a lot of money for the, for the company, for themselves, if it was successful. So all these factors, uh, uh, Stan getting tired of the children's book format, Leo needing you know writing work, Mike putting in more illustrating work and more help in the studio, uh, the, the sudden boom in young readers publishing, like it all came together at the right time, plus people were dying for more of those bears on their bookshelves. How could it go wrong? And it didn't go wrong for a while. Um, now, I'd always wondered who wrote what and who did what when. Um, he says that the first books in the series, he thinks the first six, were written by Stan and illustrated by Stan and Jan with Mike's help. Um, he did the Mike did all the illustrations for New Girl, Female Fullback, and Helped on Dirty Nephew. And it was after those six, and we're still in the initial six, but it was after those that Leo got involved writing the manuscripts. Or Stan would write plot outlines, and Leo would write manuscripts, and then Stan would edit them and rewrite them. And then he and Jan, Stan and Jan, did the illustrations until he thinks Chainsaw Gap, uh, when just things got too much. Uh, Mike says that he feels, he believes that he did the art in Wheelchair Commando, School Scandal Sheet, Camp Crush, Giddy Grandma, Dress Code, and Medium Madness. He also did the covers layout, touching up finishing work, and most of the art for the Bear Scout series and the Stepping Stones titles. And this is where things kind of start, uh, this is, well, this is publishing for you. I'm going to read directly from Mike's letter here because this is another thing that I find fascinating uh, chapter book-wise. Uh, they were hit for a while, um, but then they stopped. You know, they, they, I'm not reading right now, but they stopped. These things started chilling out after, after the initial push. And he says, This was due in changes in the book distribution field, primarily in the school book club and book fair business. If you, if you guys are familiar with school book clubs and book fairs, this is close to your hearts. When the big chapter books launched in 1993, there were three important players in this market, Scholastic, Troll, and Field, in descending order of, of dominance. All sold lots and lots of chapter books. However, it turned out this market was getting saturated. There wasn't enough business to sustain all the distributors. Field left the market in the mid-90s. Troll was bought by Scholastic slightly later, and in the consolidation which followed, chapter book sales dropped. So, 
The launching of the Bear Scouts and Stepping Stones titles into this contracting market was unsuccessful, and the big chapter books all gradually went out of print. A number of titles have been reprinted as ebooks in the past few years, but their sales have been extremely modest. And, and that's what happened. Like, and that's, and that's one of those hard, hard lessons, I think, in publishing, which is that despite demand, despite the love of the product, despite how well they're doing, it, if, if things start shifting behind the scenes that are completely out of the control of the creators, that's going to affect your bottom line. And that's going to affect the, the, the way that's going to affect people even being able to get to your product. And if you're like me and you remember those book orders and those book clubs and those book fairs, and you remember the steady decline of them in the early nineties, uh, it, it is a little heartbreaking. That they still exist. My six-year-old still brings home scholastic book orders, just stacks of them, and does order from those book orders uh, whenever we whenever we pass off a few bucks. So, uh, so they're still out there. It's still a way kids can get their hands on books. But as we all know, there's so many other ways to get your hands on books these days that it's a it's a strangely dying field that's still hanging on by its fingertips. I think. Uh, so if you have kids and they get those book orders in. Use them. There's some pretty good deals in there. Just don't buy don't buy the books that just come with a necklace. I hate those. 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 Shame on you, book publishers. There's better ways to sell books than including necklaces that break the day you get uh, the book. So in, 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 in ending his letter, he says, The move into chapter books was quite successful on the face of it. A huge number of titles were published with large sales for a number of years. But I believe it had some negative consequences. First, it encouraged Stan's inclination to write for older kids. This resulted in a neglect to both the quality and quantity of Berenstain Bears books intended for younger children in the 1990s. This weakened the series in the long run, since by the time the chapter books had run their course, the characters had less hold on the younger children's market, its historic core demographic. Ever since, we've been focusing on building back the success of the series in the younger age range, which I am happy to say... Oh, with, I am happy to say, very positive results. And I, I, I can see that. So they spread themselves a little thin and didn't have the ability to recoup those losses uh, in the short run. And it's taken Mike and uh, the Berenstain Bears company a while to build back up to what they once were. They're doing great now uh, with books that we will be reaching in, I don't know, I don't know when we're ever going to get to the modern books, but uh, we'll get to them at some point. Uh, I've covered, of course, a few of the religious rewrites, but uh, they're going strong. They're going very strong. So as you can see from Mike's response. There were many, many, many factors that went into the creation of the Berenstain Bears chapter books. And uh, it was money. It was, it was, it was, it was a desire to expand. It was creative inspiration. It was, um, you know, uh, helping a family member get their, to get their right and feet off the ground. It was uh, Mike having the ability and the time to, to help expand the Bears world. And we all reap the benefits. Uh, so far, the Berenstain Bears chapter books have been delightful, even the ones that are somewhat failures as far as uh, the, what they're trying to set out to do. I've enjoyed reading every single one of them, which brings me to the final topic uh, for today, which is the title of this episode, The Berenstain Bears and the Trouble with Continuity. Uh, I am trying my darndest to do these books in the order in which they are quote-unquote intended to be read. And I think, think I'm doing a good job at it. 
This means that I can't just pick a book and go for it like I usually do. I have to read ahead because, for instance, I was going to do Accept No Substitutes earlier, but I picked it up and it mentioned Bertha and then it mentioned the fact that she was the fullback on the football team. And I was like, oh, I guess the female fullback comes before this book. These books aren't numbered. And if you just go off publication date that doesn't help either because they were published in in like bundles they would they all seem to have come out like like a couple a month every year and i don't even know if the publishers took into consideration the order or anything we still haven't even covered the first book in the series which is the uh, drug-free zone so which is a very we'll cover that it's a very very different book but the trouble with continuity of course is that i am continuity obsessed i know i real. I, if I start getting too out of order with the way I'm covering these books, I'm going to have to go back and do an episode just to figure out the timeline of these books. Now, of course, it's going to be weird and compressed and strange and dragged all over the place. These cubs haven't aged. We don't actually know how old they're supposed to be in these books. Uh, as some of the guests have pointed out, these books seem to take place in junior high, if not high school. Uh, as far as the topics they're covering, but uh, I would say junior high at the very least, or uh, as I think Shannon pointed out, could be a Montessori school, could be K through eight, sister being in elementary school, brother being in junior high, but the Cubs are definitely acting older. They're having problems that older kids have uh, as far as like ages 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, So, you know, which makes sense because if if you're aiming at ages seven to nine, from a publishing standpoint, you, then you're going to write about characters who are slightly older than that. I know that trick. That's how it works. You Kids are interested in reading about kids who are older than themselves. So uh, in trying to figure out the continuity of the Berenstain Bears chapter books, I am having to do a little legwork and a little uh, acrobatics as far as, as far as winding and wi- waving and winding my way through the stories here. As far as my guests are concerned... They only have to worry about the book at hand. As far as I'm concerned, I have to worry about juggling the the storylines of at least six books at a time just to figure out who goes where and what does which ones. I don't know if it actually is going to even matter in the long run. Maybe after a while they sort of fall into a sitcom-y thing where it all you know comes back to the to the beginning point at the at the end so that we don't have to worry about continuity. But for now, there is definitely a through line with those bears. So we shall see how long I can keep that up. Also, we shall see whenever I'm going to get back to those first-time readers. I have some books I need to cover. Uh, there's some there's some real winners here, actually. Some of my favorite books in the first-time reader series are just sitting on my shelf, staring at me, saying, Phil, when are you going to read us? Please pick us up. Also, don't leave us out in the rain and never read while eating. You could get jam on our pages. That's a reference to a... Uh, uh, a movie we had to watch when we were in elementary school about taking care of library books where the books, it was live action and the books came alive and the boy accidentally left his books on the ball field and they got rained on and he had to take them to a book doctor and the books would like talk. They were like puppets. God, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. I don't, this is like a weird memory. It just popped into my head. Like I remember being distressing as a kid. We had to watch it several times throughout the years but it was distressing because, like, one of the books got, like, jam all over it. And one of the books was all, like, that. what, what happens, like, books like this, they get wet and they, like, puff up. And it was all, like, puffy and, like, but they were moaning and groaning and upset because they had been damaged. And it was supposed to teach you how to, like, 
take care of your library books, but in reality just made me afraid, afraid of books for a while. But that's, you know, that's life, I guess. That's books. That's the magic of reading. Uh, the Page Master, Macaulay Culkin. That's not what it was, but that's a book about, that's a movie about books. Uh, the magic of reading. And whenever there's a book about the magic of reading or a cartoon about how wonderful it is to read, they just, they're convinced that kids only are interested in books about pirates. Like, oh, you can read about being a pirate on the ocean blue. And honestly, that never interested me as a child. Like, I had no interest in reading books about people on sailing ships. Just none. None. Or you can be an astronaut on the moon. Like, that wasn't like, I don't, that didn't, like, that doesn't capture my imagination. I wasn't reading that at the time. That wasn't a big deal for me. So, you failed cartoons. You made me not want to read books, even though that's pretty much all I did. I read a lot of books as a kid. Uh, so, uh, anyway, this is my special guilty Saturday episode. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the chapter books, let you know why I'm doing them. I'm loving them a lot. Uh, we'll be back very, 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 very soon with another chapter book. I think the next one is The Berenstain Bears and the Wheelchair Commando, and it is going to be a good episode. Uh, we'll be covering a lot of topics about uh, ableism and the language we use around disability and uh, the, the struggles that children have uh, when they have disabilities, uh, dealing with their frequently thoughtless peers. So join me for that one. Uh, as usual, I'm Phil Gonzalez. You can find me at Bearcast. On Twitter, you can find me uh, at BerenstainBearcast.wordpress.com. You can write to me at BerenstainBearcast at gmail.com, although no one ever does. And you can listen to the show on the podcast, because that's what it is. And I will see you all next time, deep in a bear country.